I do like nice straight lines, but I really don't care what it looks like. You look like a guy who doesn't care about his yard. And just mow it and be done with it. Well, because it takes me three and a half hours to mow my yard. What you do is you just you just call it pollinator friendly. And you let it And you let out. all the weeds grow. <laughs> you mow it about oh, as yeah. often as you I mow have it. Have you talked to Chris downstairs? Yes. He could probably reduce your mowing time. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but uh, So you don't care. And then Paulson's like on the news because he's responsible for an algae bloom and yeah all the phosphorus and all the he just went to the co-ops and he just he went to the one of the co-ops and got a bunch of urea five gallon pails and just started sprinkling on the yard i use the edge guard on my spreader so it doesn't go into the sidewalk or the road (laughs) you do really yeah right very responsible all right well you ready to start the start the lost podcast i mean we can are we gonna call this the the lost episode even though we're recording it fresh do you realize it's been a month since we recorded that podcast? it has I, over a month yeah. it feels like it was last week but yeah yeah whoops start it up hit that intro button yeah, give me a second here where's the intro button i'm gonna try to nail this i've screwed it up the last two podcasts so i had to use a recording so this I, one this one i'm going for broke i will let you know if you well don't interrupt it <laughs> now i gotta do it again Okay, hit that. You hit. just stepped on my touchdown call. <laughs> this one. This one I'm going to nail. And you're going to be quiet over there. Welcome to Everything Egg. And then some. Presented by Kibble Equipment. A frequently fun, usually informative, and always tangent-filled look at the industry that feeds the world. From cutting-edge John Deere technology to the impact of social media on the agriculture industry, no topic is off-topic. That actually wasn't bad, surprisingly. Thank you. <laughs> I have to I have to edit that first button because it cuts off too soon for me to do a full intro. i got to put the well, long just version. Just talk faster. <laughs> Frequently fun, usually informative, always tangible. Look at the industry. If you just roll from cutting-edge John Deere technology to the impact of social media on the agriculture industry, no off-topic is off-topic. Bingo. Use that one. Use that one. That's pretty close, actually. (laughs) That would be more impressive if you weren't reading it off the (laughs) ice. I can actually read. Proof I can read. Uh, Wasika Public Schools. Yeah. Thanks, Wasika. Side effects may include (laughs) massive (laughs) diarrhea, (laughs) exploding lungs. Uh, So today, our episode is going to be an episode that we already recorded. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, which is on Sea and Spray Ultimate. And we do have our extra special guest back again. Because uh, you lost the SD card. Yeah, whoops. Uh, but we're going to be talking about the Sea and Spray Ultimate system. Um, and we will do like the obligatory overview of the system for those who are not familiar because not everybody's as deep in the weeds as we are. Uh, but nice. the point of the podcast is not necessarily to spend a bunch of time explaining what see and spray ultimate is because there's a lot of other resources out there where you can learn about the cameras and how the technology works and all that but we want to talk about the real practical application of this system how it kind of fits into somebody's current application system how your application practices are going to have to drastically change to suit this system and then how the system can kind of be catered to different operations um, and how it's kind of going to change the application landscape especially over the next few years yep and did you mean to slip that dad joke in there was there a dad joke in there yeah because you said not everybody's so far in the weeds oh man 
I that's thought you not put bad. It, I, th- I thought you put it in there on purpose. I wish I was that sneaky. No, if I was, if I had put that on my iPad and I was reading it, you could probably surmise that I was going for the joke. <laughs> but that one, I just naturally happened upon. That was just happen chance. You know, we were doing some sea and spray, you know, field demo stuff last week, mm-hmm. which was pretty cool. I got some video of that. Um, but honestly, sea and spray, very aptly named product. But I feel like there's just a little more rock and roll that should be inside or put in the name yeah like as i as we were driving around the sprayer i was thinking metallica seek and destroy (laughs) seek and destroy (laughs) ultimate but then i know lars ulrich would come after me with some (laughs) napster level yeah that would be band hammers yeah that would be yeah because they were big in the napster thing weren't weren't they one of the ones that sued napster yeah Yeah. i think they were like the lead they were the poster child of suing somebody for copyright infringement. Do, do you even know what Napster is? He does not. Oh my does God. Not. He He's really blind. don't? Like you haven't even seen like a movie? Like they've made movies about it now. Justin Timberlake was like Sean. No, what's his face? Not. Yeah. No. So quick Napster story. So it was the one of the original file sharing tools for like oh. music mainly. And I went to North Dakota State and one of my buddies. So we were in the dorm rooms and there was a shared internet connection across all the whole state of North Dakota. And they couldn't track down who it was, but we it was him. He, we got an email saying that one computer on in North Dakota state was consuming like 90% of the entire state's bandwidth. <laughs> it was all downloaded. <laughs> just pirated music. <laughs> to be fair, North Dakota's bandwidth is probably not all that high. No. People and it was, are still firing 56 K over there. 1998. Too, so. <laughs> Beep boop. Uh, ago. Did you ever have to like get music from like, oh, yeah, abs- or, absolutely. I have, my, you know what a CD I, is? Yes. I know what a cassette tape is. I even know what a oh eight track. Yeah, eight track. You almost knew what an eight track was. I forgot the name for just a second, but yeah. You were going yes. for props there, and then you still didn't know it. No, but yes, I do. You know what? Because my first my first vehicle in high school still had a cassette player in it. Oh God! I bet the thing you're driving out there now probably has a cassette player. No, in it. that's <laughs> no. Don't be mean to the green bean. Quit it. There's probably some Creed tapes in there. <laughs> Creed C- CDs are Which just I'm, I'll jammed take in if there. You, you don't need. <laughs> Did you do in- introductions yet? No, oh, yeah. we haven't even no. gotten that okay. far yet. No. I was just thinking the other day, I saw a post online. It was about C- back to CDs. Like at one point in your life, at least for us three, we burned our last CD. Because nobody's going to burn another CD I again. I burned a couple CDs in my day. But you never realized it was the last one. Like, no. What was on your last burned CD? I'm I sure mine no was idea. like some just dirty trap music. <laughs> but <laughs> anyways, uh, so we yeah. have the regular three of us here feels, again. Yeah, well, I got excluded off the last podcast. Yeah, well, we just, out. we just told you we didn't have enough mics for you. Yeah, no, so you guys just booted me. So well, I feel I feel, I feel, feel better that I'm back now. It was different because there was no one to laugh yeah. at. There was no human laugh track on the last one, so True. we had to manufacture our own laughs. I thought about just editing in editing like some old my, friends laugh track clips. Or you could just take... Uh, I could just use the yeah, button. Say, don't I have put, a laugh button? I don't even remember yeah. which one it is. Oh, yeah. There. You could have just thrown that in. <laughs> it sounds really natural. Or you could have just taken my laugh out of the other podcast and throw it in there. Recorded in front of a live studio audience. Anyway. Um, so it's Sam and other Sam and boss man Chris back in the fold. And then we have Chad Boondorf back, who is what we call a triple threat guy. Uh, one, a cable customer. Two, bought C and Spray Ultimate. And three, is a chemical protection rep for corteva crop protection 
Crop I almost had it. I was going to say chemical rep, and then I thought, I'm going to get the right name, Jazz and then I still bit. said it wrong. Yeah, <laughs> crop protection sounds a lot better when you're talking to your neighbors in the cities. Yeah. 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 Like when I, I'm using glyphosate, and they'd be like, no idea what that is. Sounds nice. <laughs> they do make Roundup for lawns. That yeah, isn't can, that, like, that, that 2,4-D? It's basically 2,4-D. 2,4-D and dicamba. Yeah. It is the stupidest branding <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my life. Because you basically are telling people it's okay to spray Roundup on your lawn. Which, you, which you're not. Which, well, you want to kill it. Yeah, which, oh, I mean, yeah. Well, I had a neighbor who could have used your services because last year he wanted to spray weeds that were in his mulch around his tree, which he should have sprayed Roundup. And instead, he put ground clear down. <laughs> So his tree now this year has like one leaf, <laughs> but it's still hanging in there. Still, still there. Yeah. Whoops. Um, so Chad, I don't know if, I think you can do a better job of introducing yourself than I can, but the really great thing about having you on this podcast is that we get to hear from someone who has punched the numbers, looked at the value of the sea and spray ultimate system, because that's something when we start talking about license units, um, you know, pay to spray, is that? I just came up with that just now. That's pretty good. That's not bad. I'll give you props for that. Um, But the license units and all those things, when we go over those, like there's, there's a lot of controversy over all these things and how much the system costs and how we can really get value out of it. And so you've punched the numbers, you've seen the value. Yeah. You've started to use the system a little bit and gotten acquainted with it. So it'll be good to get your take on all these things, especially from the standpoint of you're in the weeds um, with the, with the chemical practices that farmers use. And you've seen how that's going to affect your, your operation. So yeah, if you want to give a little background on yourself. Yep. So my name is Chad Boondorf. I'm a Corteva crop protection territory manager. I kind of cover South central and Southeast Minnesota and I have worked for Corteva now for about 19 years. Yep. So you were on the seed side for a while and then, yep. uh, seed treatment, seed treatment. Yep. And then I've been in crop protection now going on six plus years. And so when you were looking at the sea and spray ultimate system as a viable option for your farm, I know it's kind of a, a partnership uh, with a couple other guys, but how did you really pencil that out? And when did you come to the decision that that was going to be right for your operation? You know, it actually started with some conversations that I had with Chris. He had called and we were talking about, Hey, what can we do differently with this weed control program? And I'm like, yeah, we're going to have to think a little bit differently about the weed control program. Um, you maybe can't use some of the premixes that are already on the market today because if if you want to keep the same holistic long-term value approach you've got to segment things out what are you going to see and what do you, what's going to go in tank one which is the sea and spray tank versus what's going to go in tank two and so it was just kind of building a program it it started with hey i'd like to try one of these for a day or two and it turned into hey how about you run one for the year. So, and, it, <laughs> well, and now it's, we had a customer that we that was a prospect for sea and spray and you know, our sales folks and us were equipment people. We're not really dialed in with all these different trade names. And so we're trying to understand, you know, have a good answer for this customer. What could you reasonably expect to save based on some of the dear, dear guidelines? And we got his chemical program and it was completely going to be no benefit because he was using a bunch of premixes, right? Yeah. Or you combining the, the residual products with and the, con- and the with contact, the contact products. And so that's, you got to kind of break it out. You got to break your residual products out and then make something within the contact products for the sea and spray tank to kind of pull it all together and make it work. Well, we should probably talk about what sea and spray ultimate 
is quick because there are two sea and sprays. Uh, there's sea and spray select, and then there's sea and spray ultimate. Sea and spray select is for fallow ground, so it's basically, in simple terms, it can tell the difference between green and brown. It yeah, sprays green. The it ground, doesn't spray brown. It's yeah, it's just looking for a plant on the ground essentially. And so the difference with sea and spray ultimate, at least from just a what the camera can see and pick up and identify. Scene spray ultimate can identify what in a cornfield, for example, it can identify the difference between a corn plant and what is a weed. Yes. Now, if there's a soybean, a volunteer soybean plant in a cornfield, it will identify that soybean plant as a weed as well, and vice versa for a corn volunteer. <laughs> corn, didn't I say that right? Vice versa. No. Uh, vice versa. I, I believe that was how uh, ancient astro- astronomist, uh, what's his face, that came up with it, Galileo, uh, used to say it. <laughs> It's pretty simple. It's like it, you just tell it what you're spraying, and if it's corn, soybeans, or cotton. Yep. If you if you're or fallow. Yep. Or fallow open. ground. And so if it's a, not a corn plant, it sprays it. Yep. And that's the just the basic principle on what Sea and Spray Ultimate is trying to do. Now, there's a lot of pieces that make that whole system work. I mean, we we've got a brand new carbon fiber boom that is not available on any other machine. A truss style boom. We've got 36 cameras that are watching 2,100 square feet a second, monitoring that and spraying weeds down to a half inch in size. There's 10 computers that are monitoring all of that, a completely new boom track system that we'll talk about here a little bit later that keeps, and the boom suspension just in general has been completely updated. Um, And then in addition to just the solution systems that are involved. So we've basically got two completely separate solution systems down to the nozzle now so we've got exact apply nozzles, but we've got two solution lines coming into each nozzle so that you can spray two completely separate solutions out of front and a rear tip. Yeah. So a very common application for, you know, Chad here when he starts using sea and spray is to spray a residual from the rear tank. The rear tank actually feeds the front nozzle and then your front tank, which is your sea and spray tank. That's the tank that's going to spray out the back. And that's the one that where your cameras are identifying individual weeds and spraying individual weeds with three nozzles for coverage sake. Um, but yeah, two completely separate solution systems. Those are all the components that are involved. So it's a, it's a whole different animal when we're talking. Yeah. And, and we talk, sprayer. we talk about the scene spray part, but you can run it in different modes. So you can combine those systems together to make a high flow, um, system high flow like what you're doing right now is applying reservoir. Um, you can do just scene spray only. Correct. Yep. yep. So, and then there's another, other benefits that we, I should mention there's there are some chemicals that they don't play nice together when they're mixed together, right? I right. know that word. It's I, called antagonization, right? Sounds right. Yep. Or antagonizing. Correct. So there's some studies going on right now. Just the pure benefit of being able to make, split up those tank mixes. Yep. Like Sam antagonizes me. Yeah. It's because we have the same name. That's why. See, if we put us in the same room, that's called antagonism. We don't get anything done. No, that's just... You need to bring Chris into the room. (laughs) I don't think that's a different word. Well, antagonizing chemicals are basically chemicals are you mix two chemicals together, and when you mix them together in the same solution tank, they're less effective. They're a little bit less effective. Right. So one example of that would be volunteer corn killers. So like your clethodems, your FOP herbicides. When we add those in a tank mix with Enlist, we don't always get as good of kill on the volunteer corn. Yep. What was the volunteer corn killer? Did you say it was FOP? FOP herbicide. Is that like... A sure to... If you use Dapper Dan, use. would it be better? <laughs> I don't want FOP. <laughs> I'm a Dapper Dan man. Does anybody know that reference? No. Come on. 
George Clooney. He's a Dapper oh, Dan man. Yeah. Yep. Oh, brother, where art thou? I'm sure you've I've never seen, seen it because it's actually a good movie. Yes, I've seen the movie. I'm not eight years old. Close. Closer to eight than we are. Um, I, I've said different times, the savings for Sea and Spray varies by operation significantly. Um, there's three programs. There's good, better, and best. Sea and Spray is for the guys that are running the best programs. They can probably improve their weed control or maintain their weed control, and then there's going to be some savings there where you're not spraying your contact products. If you've got an A program, you will be able to take out the weeds, but you're not going to be wasting the contact products where they've got black dirt. Yeah, And I think yeah, that's the exciting part of the process, the program. And, and I think we talked about this one on the last podcast too, but when you're talking a good, better, best program, which is very uh, reticent to how deer classifies their machinery. Yep. When you're talking about what something's good, better, or best at, um, yes. John Deere's never made anything that's bad at anything. <laughs> Worst case scenario, it's good. Um, but if you're talking the guy with a good program, you're probably not going to get a lot of benefit from the actual sea and spray portion because they're probably, I mean, you're you're paying, and we'll go the license, but you're paying for every acre you spray with that sea and spray technology. And they probably should just be broadcast spraying because of how many weeds that they're right. going to be currently dealing with. And I told Chris this when we were talking about our field uh, that we did the trial on. We were having a hard time finding weeds just because it's early enough in the year. It was just planted. And so um, I was like, well, if we went back to uh, Paulson Farms, we have a sweet corn field from last year <laughs> that got a little gnarly uh, towards the end of the year. Not our fault. Um but that one, I was like, well, that one wouldn't even be good for seed spray either because like most of the field just needs to be broadcast spray. Yeah. yeah. And so guys, sometimes they get, when Roundup got introduced or glyphosate tolerant crops, we, we developed a seed and spray, pardon the pun, mentality over time. And all the weed scientists, university, um, internal people kind of warned us that hey, you can't control weeds in a post-emerge window. We will develop resistance to glyphosate. And I was young in the ag field at that time, and I'm like, oh, this product works great. We're not going to develop resistance. The manufacturer said, oh, we won't see it. And we not only saw it, but it ramped up way faster than what we thought. It, it will maintain that it spread really fast, and we developed resistance. If you look back historically and talk to weed scientists, people, university people, the pre-emerge herbicides are the things that we haven't developed resistance to as fast. Before a weed can photosynthesize sunlight, it's very hard to develop resistance. That's what makes sea and spray so cool, is you can manage the weeds that aren't coming with pre-emerge products, products that have good residual activity, and then you can build a really robust tank mix for the sea and spray with the contact products to go out and clean up what does come through that pre. Because if a pre works really well, I say it's 90% effective, meaning it kept nine out of 10 weeds from coming on that acre. That's a high success rate. Mm -hmm. And the likelihood of that one weed that came through the pre-emerge being resistant is lower. And then that's what really ties the two things together. And the philosophy, I think, is what makes it kind of exciting. Yeah. So then on a, in, a, in the sea and spray tank, you'd use multiple modes of action to make sure that you're... Multiple modes of action, things that are very good for the weed spectrum that you're trying to control. 
Yeah. There was a, I can't remember his name, but there's a U of M uh, weed guy that when an extend came out, um, he came and did a, a tour and he had a history lesson. He was an older guy, a history lesson about all the modes of action that we've ruined over the years. Yes. And he said, okay, we have this new mode of action or this new, new, to, new tool extend. And instead of like harping on farmers to not ruin it, we're just going to know that you're going to, you're going to ruin it, but it takes a long time to come up with a new mode of action. Isn't it? Um, there hasn't been a new mode of action really for, is it 20 plus years now? I don't know the exact, don't explain well, to me like I'm uh, a five-year-old, what a mode of action is. Cause, Cause I, you, I know. you know what, you know what it is, but you just I, want other people. Yeah. To, I just want to make okay. sure it's palatable for everyone else. <laughs> it's a mode of action is the way that the herbicide actually kills the species that it's going after. So weed. like roundup is gets into the weed and it photosynthesizes or gets into the leaf and then photos chlorophyll borophyll. I know how things work. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they, I'm glad you're a tillage specialist and not an agronomist. Well, yeah. See, it's with tillage, it's weed control. You via, pick it up and you take it physically out of the ground. Yeah, and then it dies. and slice. <laughs> see and slice. I mean, see and yeah. slice ultimate. We well. So what we were talking about last time was a lot of people don't see the value in going out and spraying a field if they've only got you know, they can only see three or four weeds and they think, well, I can just send my 12 year old who doesn't have a summer job right now to go out there with a garden hoe and chop those four out. And the problem is you can see four, but there's probably 400 that you don't see when you get out there. And yeah. that's what sea and spray can see, but you don't see the value in spending a couple grand to spray a field when you can give your uh, 12 year old, like, uh, you know, pack up Pokemon cards. I don't know what the 12 year olds like. No. Why are you looking at me? Well, you're closest <laughs> to 12. <laughs> the, the, the challenge is to find the four weeds in that field. And the, the example I'll use is I always go back to water hemp. The average water hemp plant produces 240,000 seeds today, according to university research. So it's, yeah, one plant, 240,000. Yeah. So that's if you have four, that's almost a million in your field that get to full maturity. That's the average. Oh, I like the word maturity. I've always been a big mature fan. <laughs> <laughs> so if you think about that, that creates a million problems for the future. Now, Ooh, yeah, the, I like the way that the vial, the, 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 the comforting part is after three years, there's only eight or 9% that are viable. Which, Sam, quick math. Oh, you can't, no. Mm -mm. Eight or 9%, let's just say it's of a million. Well, okay, you, I thought we were going off your 240,000. Well, yeah, take that number, divide it by four, carry the three, square root of two. How many is that? At least five. Okay. Approximately 90, 80 to 90,000. Yeah. Still viable on that farm. And so that's the hard part. That's the decision. The grower's looking at the immediate. So no different than when you're in your personal life and you're trying to figure out where to expend your discretionary budget. Well, yeah, Sam's not spending his on his lawn. That's damn sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're deciding to spend your discretionary budget. Well, Liberty and Enlist, this is just an average number, is going to cost you 30 to 30 $40 an acre to go out and spray that tank mix together, which is the best tank mix on water hemp 
which is the number one weed we're battling in soybeans and in corn. We can control it in corn with our herbicide programs today. Well, you're looking at, let's just say $30 an acre on an 80, that's 2,400 bucks to go treat for those four plants, which aren't going to affect this year's crop. That's the biggest debate that's out there. And I tell guys that's the best $2,400 you could spend to go out and retreat that field just because of what it's going to mean for the next five years. I always say a good weed control program is a five-year vision. That's hard to digest when we're living in a crop cycle type lifestyle and then managing cost of operation and everything else. Production cost per acre. You've got to invest in your land. But when you invest in John Deere, you have something that you can walk out in the shed and look at all year. It's shiny. It looks good. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it, well, Sam's stuff isn't shiny. It's all dirty. What you, why are you why are you picking on me? <laughs> when you that invest kind of stuff in weed now. control, it has an impact. It, but it you don't always realize the impact for five years, and it's nothing. Any it's not fun to buy. Buying a new cell phone is fun. Having a nice podcast system is cool. It is, but buying herbicide. That doesn't necessarily make your crop yield any better that year, right? But it's for the long term. Because if you have a lot of weeds, what happens to your yields? They go down significantly. Yeah, and the, a good weed control program. You don't get a lot of phone calls from guys saying, hey, Chad, this really worked. Yeah, really <laughs> you, worked you get, well. You get calls when there's the weeds, right? Yeah. Yes. And you well, see both sides, sides of the fence, too, because you're a farmer and you also I, sell I, this cell. And yes. so you have to see both, both sides. But as on your side, on your farm... You have to have really clean fields because it looks bad if your crop protection correct wrap correct weeds in this field. It looks really bad in the home area <laughs> when the neighbors drive by and we got water hemp sticking out of and not, it. And weed control is not perfection, right? You can do everything right within our operation. We do take a few extra steps. We spend a few extra dollars just because of my job. It wouldn't look good as people drive by I'm like yeah. <laughs> Chad might tell you what to do, but he doesn't execute it at home. Well, it's like when we had Andy clean on, we're like, you know, it's got to be exhausting for you to always have to have your stuff clean. Because if they ever see you driving around dirty tractors, they're like, what's going on? Who is this guy? Yeah. What a hack. <laughs> Very good analogy. Yes. Um, Back to your. Was, uh, one thing we do really well up what I call Southern Minnesota, God's country, is we can grow some hellacious corn. We have great ground, seems to be a great climate for growing corn, but we also can grow some hellacious weeds. So that's yep. giant ragweed. Yeah. So when we grow weeds, they grow big and they grow fast. And the bigger that they grow before you spray them, the harder they are to kill. Correct. And and so that's one thing I see with sea and spray, and I'm not smart at all, obviously. Um, <laughs> but guys are probably going to be more willing to get out there sooner because they're not looking at a field like, Oh man, I got a bunch of weeds out there. I better go spray them. They're going to be more willing to spray it knowing that if they're using a, a contact herbicide with the sea and spray system that, you know, they're not going to be wasting it on their opportunity the- is they can go out and confidently make the first pass spray where there's the weeds. And if they start to see a second flush coming, they can go back out and only, once again, spray where there's the weeds. Yes, they have the credit charge both times, but they're not spent spraying the whole herbicide. They can spray early, and it gives them the flexibility to spray again if they need to. Yeah, for example, the, the demo we did last week, um, it was, it was, this was in corn. We just covered six acres, just yep. went down and back a few times. 
uh, weed pressure was only 1.4% weed pressure of that area. And because when the sea and spray system is on, it, it has three of the nozzles turn on to get good coverage. Yep. Um, it was only 6%, 6.2% of that area was covered. Yeah. And I had to drive that sprayer back here and we put 300 gallons in the tank, which was probably a mistake because there was <laughs> still drive. too much, there was still too many, too many gallons in the tank for me to go 35. So you were limited to 30. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I kept hitting the button. I'm like, why is it not going faster? I'm like, oh, dang it. That's right. Too I much got, water. I got solution in the tank. Yep. Yep. That and I had to go to quick trip to put diesel in. So <laughs> that was a fun little experience. <laughs> Did you fit underneath the awning? Well, it asked me if I wanted a car wash, and I thought, mm, it might, <laughs> we might go through there. <laughs> I also stopped. I was going to go in to, and get an energy drink, and then I realized there was, I was taking up like 40% of the parking lot. Yeah. Nobody could get around me. I was like, yeah, I better just go. <laughs> better head out. So, Chad, you brought up something that's, that is completely different with how this system is, is uh, managed and sold, and we just better get it out there. You know, the elephant in the room is uh, basically it's a usage-based Mm-hmm. your licensing, licensing units yep so instead of in the past <clears throat> you wanted an rtk receiver you bought you know that rtk receiver and then you, whether you had a thousand acres or ten thousand acres it was the same price so the way the, the business model for this system is usage based yep so you buy the sprayer up front like your sprayer you bought up front there was a charge for the hardware but then based on if you are using it or not there's a per acre fee so it's so much in soybeans, it's a different value in soybeans, corn, and, and fallow. Yep. And this will also do cotton, right? Yes. Um, so there's a different number there, which in my experience, farmers, um, there's things that really... There's a couple of things that re- they really don't like. One being emissions. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Two being subscriptions. Yeah. Taxes. Is, taxes and taxes. Yeah. So, but just to get it out there, the reason Deer is doing this is one, so it makes it more affordable. So that's... that upfront charges less than it would normally be. Yep. Uh, you're only use it, paying for it when you use it. So yep. if you're in, like right now, you're, you're spraying Resicor for your pre, yep. you're not in C and spray mode. Correct. So that that's not yep. using up any of these credits. Yep. Yeah, uh, you can still run it as a traditional sprayer. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're not burning credits through. I actually agree with the credit idea after I ran some numbers. Now it takes, you got to run some numbers and compare your herbicide programs. The savings is on the backside. And, and I look at the credit as I believe this technology will continue to evolve and get better. And anytime there's advancements, advancements come at a cost. New technology comes at a cost. If this is how we can maybe lower the initial cost structure and then pay as we use it, for me, it has more of a long-term sustainability standpoint. and It's even easier for a business to budget as more CNC sprayers are going out in the marketplace. There's you know a percentage of that cost that's going to go into continued R&D and improvement on the systems that are being manufactured in the future and the ones that are in the field today to better identify the weeds. Because I think that's still the part that I'm the most excited about is to now in the next couple of weeks get out and actually mark a few plants and see how it does at picking them up as we go across. Yeah. Yep. And it, the way the system works is deer has trained it. The buzzword bingo, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning. They took a bunch of pictures and told the computer, okay, this is a soybean plant. Basically, if it's green, if you set it, have it set to soybean mode, if it's not soybeans, it, it, it's, it's going to spray it. It's going to spray it. And I, you can see it right on the screen where it, it thinks mm-hmm. it's a not. 
I, I pulled out into the field the other day, had it in corn mode. It actually picked up a few of the weeds on the field edge. Those were purple. And then it saw this corn plant and it was fine. Switched it to soybeans. Parked in, no, I was parked in this case and identified that as a weed. Yep. And I'm like, Oh, that works at 10 miles an hour. That's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, that is really cool. Yeah, 12 so miles an hour. 12, yeah. And that's one example of you, you talked about getting better. You know, there's getting better over time. So for model year 22, 22 it's 12 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. For model year 24, 24 it's going to be 15. 15 miles an hour. Yep. Um, there is no model year 23. <laughs> you said 22. <laughs> oh, I skipped it here. Mm. For 23, it's 12 miles an hour. For 24, it's going to be 15. Yep. 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 And then potentially we'll we'll see where it goes from there but it's all machine learning i mean anything with these cameras whether it's sea and spray ultimate or you're looking at like the autonomous tillage project those things are all just they're learning as they go don't bring that up that's kind of a hot topic oh the autonomous tillage thing yeah people people get a little fired up about that yeah you take you take the you take the operator out of the cab and you're not farming anymore no more if the farmer's not driving the tractor you're not farming that's what we learned in the comment section of all our TikToks on Instagram Reels. Back to this license units and license-based usage. It's going to be a high-cost entry even with the license units, but this, as far as what we've been told and what we understand, we're looking at about a third maybe of the cost up front as it would be if you bought it straight away without any license units. So there's a little lower barrier to entry, which and it also means you can customize it to an operation. You know, if you're... If you need 5,000 acres of license units or if you maybe need 1,500 license units, you know, that's, that changes uh, how you're going to utilize the system and, and you can cater it to some different operations that don't just have to be these monster operations because your farm is not, you know, a 40,000 acre operation and you're custom spraying another 20. Like oh. this is, you know, a, a pretty, it's a large farm, but for our area, you know, a pretty Very relatable average. size. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're for a little over 1,400 acres, well, 1,700 acres. And then I've got two partners that one's about 1,700 and the other one's about 1,000 that we share the sprayer with. So there's three of us on the sprayer. So we're not a large operation, but yet I feel we can cash flow seeing spray ultimate just by tweaking our herbicide program. And we're not giving anything up in our program. We're not missing any of the residuals. We're not doing anything. We're still going to have a very robust, aggressive weed control program. And you mentioned a few different things today of the, of the herbicide options that we have today. Uh, that's some other buzz that I've heard about, you know, what the future looks like. Okay. Yeah. Of different, different herbicide options. So when you, you know, we talked about earlier, there hasn't been any new site of actions. There's been no new mode of actions, which is like the chemical active names that have really come to the market in over 20 years. I can tell you that within our organization and our competitors, we have products as weed resistance continues to develop and we're, we're, weed resistance will always be here. Everything evolves, right? The strong survive. There are things in discovery that haven't been brought to market because the cost of manufacturing them may be too high. So I'll just use a number like there's some really good products out there for water, for water hemp or Palmer amaranth. This is just an example. Don't hold me to the number, but they might cost $50 an acre to manufacture. Well, nobody today is willing to spend $50 an acre on a singular 
herbicide to control a weed. But if Sea and Spray can go out and identify that weed and only spray 10% of the acres on that 80, and it's a problem, now there's a route to market and there's enough revenue there for manufacturers to bring those products to market, and that'll be the fit. Chad, what do you hypothesize is going to happen for what's the biggest change you're going to see from an application practice standpoint for someone that's using sea and spray ultimate, especially as it becomes more common, like you more passes. I, so that that's, that's always a, a little bit of a sticky wicket only because that's time and that's energy. Think about more passes right now where there was a lot of planters rolling in our area here over Memorial day weekend, replanting corn, wrapping up soybeans. But I believe that to, to control the weed species that have kind of become prevalent in our area over the last five years that we're struggling with, we do need to make additional passes. And I think Sea and Spray Ultimate, where you're, that's always the question. I don't have weeds there. I don't need to spray there. Well, you can't watch yourself from the sprayer and hit the button. Spot spraying was the old way of doing it. Then you wished you would have ran it more because you couldn't see things. I think this is going to open guys up to, they're going to probably make, in addition to a pre and soybeans, they're going to make two passes. They're going to do a better job managing their residual products and then make the contact applications as needed. I do think it changed. So in our operation, we were already using a pre and doing two soybean post passes. So that's where the savings comes in is now we won't just be broadcasting that post pass on every acre. I think when we're making that second post pass, and we'll see what the numbers look like early July, I think we'll spray 10% of the acres. Yeah, and that's what's cool, that in the operations center, it'll spit out a report. It says, here's your weed pressure, here's what you actually applied. Yeah. And so and it's really easy to pencil it out. And I say 10%, I'm assuming it'll see five, and we might spray 20 to 30, actually, coverage with the three tips turning on, and I'm going to probably be a little more generous to spray a little bit more before and a little bit more after to make sure we get coverage and have good mm-hmm. efficacy. Yeah, that's something, I mean, it's, you're going to, you might make adjustments as you, you learn the system better yeah. too, right? I'm getting a little more comfortable every day. It was a little intimidating at first. And there's a lot of stuff going there, on. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going there's on. There's a lot outside. of stuff going on. I actually argued that a third display. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it. Hey, be you like my honest. You can do it. <laughs> But I, I foresee seeing spray technology, at least in a deer world. You look at our our number of sprayers that we have out there. I say within three to five years, I think 25% of our sprayers are going to have seen spray are technology. Gonna, are we going to make some wagers? Whoa. Are we going to take bets? I think, you've gotta, saying, I think you should tweet that so then we can go back to it when you're either no, right I or honestly, wrong. No, <laughs> I honestly do think our take rate is going to be like 25% of our I think You'll either be like Farmstradamus or you're going to look like an idiot. Yeah. What, what are you thinking, Chad? You'll be light. Be more than that. You think it's gonna be more than twenty five percent in three to five years? Ooh, hot takes. Five years. You heard it here first. Five so, years. So if you think how fast to exact apply um twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. So just look at the history of this stuff, right? Before you know we well you we were speed and pressure for a while. Um and then we got rate controllers and John Deere's rate controller came out for sprayers. I I'm thinking field of uh, pull time sprayers, but that that's been around a long time. Mm-hmm. Um section control. That was 2006. Sure. Sure. Yep. 
2006, 2005 or six, when the like, 2600 came out. Like the year Sam yeah. was born. And so now that's basically, that's 100%, I mean, pretty much 100% adoption if you're doing yep. anything with a planner sprayer. Yep. Exact apply 2018? 2018. Yeah, and that's over 90% of our sales now. Yeah. So, so any of our... Uh, and this was anyway. your history lesson with our kooky old GPS yes, guy, guy, Chris. Boss man, Chris. But yeah, that's I, a quick version. I honestly think, well, or similar technologies. You look at some of the kits that are coming out from France and Australia and places over there. There's going to be a ton coming up in the next three years. But then I think on the deer side, yeah, five years, I think it's going to be 25% at least. I've learned when you're doing a forecast, cover your butt, do a range. I'm going to go with... 50 to 75%. New sprayers. New, New sprayers. sprayers. New sprayers in five years. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with at least 10. No, you can't. <laughs> really? Close up without low? going over. I don't know. Chris told price, me to cover the price is right. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be short on your forecast. <laughs> well, I'll be somewhere in the range. Yeah. I got 90% to work with here. Yeah. Uh, when I was in college, I was a, I was an orientation leader, and uh, we were supposed to decorate Why the campus. With they let you be an orientation leader, yeah, because I'm just like a wacky, waving, inflatable, arm flailing tube man. Well, I suppose, person. and you're ten foot tall, so if your group lost you, they just look over the crowd. Yeah, I'm and like, like a, oh, there he is. I'm like a lighthouse. Um, but one of our jobs, like right before the the first years, you know, moved in or freshman move in day, we were supposed to like decorate the campus with sidewalk chalk. So we just go, you know, we'd all have like a box. I can and, only imagine what you put on the sidewalk. Uh, most of mine were just stats, but they were like um, over eighty percent of Gustavus freshmen graduated from high school, which is correct. <laughs> over eighty percent did, or <laughs> less. Less than three Gustavus students are eaten by polar bears on campus each year. It's zero. It's probably zero. I haven't no, looked at is, the records. It is but. zero because <laughs> we don't have polar bears in southern Minnesota. This, that's the way to manipulate stats. That's just not okay. I should be a politician. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I did see you pulled up on your phone. Um, if you have no clue of what you're actually spraying today, you know, you get your, your invoice from your retailer and it's got lotus or whatever I don't know, i'm just throwing stuff out website now. there's take action on weeds chart yep take action on weeds it's a website just google it there's a really nice pdf chart that's got all the tra- the modes of action trade the, the uh, scientific e-name the yep. trade names and then what if they're in a premix yep. yep. and you can actually order if you want to stop by Oton store we have some that you uh no don't say that <laughs> and if and one thing i that we haven't talked about is if if you're thinking about seeing spray Make sure you visit with your kibble salesman, but you also probably bring your chemical agronomist in and try to build a program around sea and spray. Because you're you're gonna have to flip it on your head. You're gonna be to, a little different. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It it will look different than probably what you're currently doing today. Mm-hmm. You might get a little heavier with. You might take the same dollars and invest a little more in the residual products, and and then kind of ramp up a really aggressive post-contact tank mix brand. Yeah, just moving the dog. It's kind of like doing a seeding prescription. Usually you don't save seed, but you're just moving things yes. around. Between, moving yeah. around. Yeah. And so the other thing to consider too, you know, we're, we're in our, pre, our early order program for sprayers right now. You guys are doing similar things, right? Customers yep. prepay for... for these, cre- these conversations need to be had at the same time. The yeah. time you're ordering the sprayer, you need to start to have conversations with your retailer because while we're living in 23 today at the farm gate. Or according to Chris, 22. <laughs> our, our suppliers that support our industry are really thinking about 24. Right. 
Yep. So thinking about that, the other thing uh, to consider is load times go up. So that's one of the biggest things about a sprayer in general is you look at idle times, that's usually the highest one because it's spent so much time tendering. Yep. So with two tanks now, that's... Yeah, and you're, Significantly yep, longer. Yep, that's double the mixing. About it. Yeah, double the mixing and usually you know, you're depending on your weed pressure, that seed spray tank's going to... May not be empty. empty. May not be empty in the the residual tank. It's always a full load, right? But the sea and spray tank, you're going to be filling different volumes. So you got to think ahead for that. Yep. So you you developed a, a ninja spreadsheet. I, your, I developed a ninja spreadsheet, but I'm really thinking hard about a chemical mixing system. <laughs> so one <laughs> system that plug uh, to uh, SurePoint Quick Draw. Quick Draw. Uh, so SurePoint's a company that's a joint venture with John Deere, and they have a system that you could be used even without sea and spray that you can. Load up. They have different number of products. You can you hook up to your your jugs it. and or your totes, okay, and it cheer. will just do the recipe automatically. We actually the, mm-hmm. the rep was here last week, and he said that there's a customer that bought one of them that actually tenders a sprayer that's spraying soybeans and a sprayer that's spraying corn off the same system. Yep, at the same time tendering system. They with an automatic clean out. Yeah, they haven't had an issue yet. That's pretty powerful. Yeah, it's really cool. Well, you, you've, you've experienced the new carbon fiber boom now, right? Yeah, because we've had a lot of good feedback on that boom. There's a, quite a few customers that just want the boom in the new boom track and don't even want seeing spray. Yeah, it. so I I started spraying soybean prees with it last week. I was thinking about sending Chris, boss man Chris, a <laughs> Got him. text at how, ah, this is pretty impressive, winds were 10 to 12, so I was running the boom 24 inches off the ground, which I could not do with our R4038 before. And then I went over to a little more challenging field. And on the one side, there is a a ravine that both sides have to make significant adjustments. And so I always knew with the old sprayer that I had to take over manually and just raise it up and go through there. And I hit her at 11 miles an hour. And it tracked both sides did all the movement maintained 24 inches exceptionally well i am i am sold well that's i mean that's something you're going to need if you're going to have such a precise system that you can you know just turn on three nozzles and spray one weed and be that accurate you've got to have a boom that's not only sturdy enough but can has the suspension and the the smarts maintain to maintain the height yeah because that's all basically a PFM, pure fun math. It's got to know the height to do the math on, hey, that weed's this far out in the front of me. I'm going this much. I'm going this speed. I need to turn on this nozzle at this time. Mm-hmm. Yep. PFM. Yep. And PFM. it's, I think the it's advertised as plus or minus 10 inches at the tip from your set point, 95% of the time it's operating. So plus or minus 10 inches when you're looking at kooky old GPS guy, Chris, doesn't sound very impressive when we can do our DK down to 0.2 inches. And all. But the tip of a boom that's 60 foot out from the center of your machine. Whipping is, back and forth and up and down. Is almost, no matter what the conditions, is almost never more than 10 inches above or below what that set point is, is absolutely incredible. It would actually be fun when you guys come out to take the old sprayer out because it's still sitting in our shed on a couple of these fields and just watch the boom just, movement. And do side by side. See yeah. if we can take out a breakaway or something. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That's a trade-in. 
But well, I did a I did a bit where I put a receiver on top yeah, of a bucket. He stole my ITC receiver that I have sitting on my desk. His desk ornament, and I set the boom to be one inch above the top of the ITC, and I went over it nine at ten times? miles an hour nine times, I believe, before I then I smoked it, one yeah, of the time, which it. was what I wanted to do. I wanted yep. to put a nice dent in the thing. To its credit. Uh, it bounced off pretty well. Yeah, and sorry that was your it. sprayer. <laughs> <laughs> it just—it was just a little scuff on the ITC, but. Yeah. Well, and then back to the boom though, and the carbon fiber boom in general. People are worried about carbon fiber. It's flimsy. Ah, what happens when it breaks? Ah, I don't think carbon fiber is going to work. Blah blah blah. Uh, all the people that are afraid of the carbon fiber for that reason. Um, I have seen the video. I think it's, all of us have it's seen a, the no, video. No, it's a public video now. Yeah. You can go on John Deere's website and look at the scene spray ultimate. I think they have the video on the boom. 15 miles an hour. The and inner hit. wing, not the breakaway, the inner the wing. The inner wing. They hit it at 15 miles an hour. A pole, a telephone pole, basically. Yeah, it was cemented into the ground and smacked it, and it killed the sprayer. Like, it just halted it to a dead stop and the pole didn't move like no the this pole didn't, didn't move the pole didn't snap off or something it wasn't no. like it was a small tree in it you know no. this was a legit like hitting a telephone pole with the inner wing of the boom which if you do that you probably should have woken up <laughs> <laughs> uh, you should yeah. you wouldn't have a job no. but the boom was fine now yeah, the boom was it hit a camera right right dead center of the camera the camera was bad broken but yeah that was it's a very impressive video it kind of makes me makes you cringe the first time you see it because you can see the boom whip basically all the way forward and then whip all the way back and the sprayer goes a little cockeyed but yeah it's it's shocking it is to really watch. shocking <laughs> i wouldn't recommend it no <laughs> don't don't do it please don't but the, the boom seems very strong like i said it's much more stable yeah well i think that covers us for for the lost episode. For the lost episode. Lost scene spray episode. So uh, I would say if you, if anybody wants to leave us a review uh, on one of the podcasts. Please, please rate us five stars. Yeah, leave us a review. Leave us a comment. I appreciate those. If you want to send us an email, it's everythingagpodcast at kibbleq.com. Not spelling it. Um, but yeah, thanks, Chad, for, for coming in. And uh, woo. Well, see you later. See you later.